0: This morning we do begin a new series of messages. We're going to be studying the Holy Spirit together, and this particular study will be longer than the previous ones that we've had concerning doctrine and our belief system. And so we're going to spend some time together over the next several weeks and even months studying the Holy Spirit. It is important as we begin our study that We understand and know that this truly is a significant study. You don't often hear a lot taught or preached on the Holy Spirit. Uh, In some cases you might, but generally speaking, you probably don't hear a lot of messages. You might hear sermons on the gifts or the fruit of the Spirit, but we're going to go beyond that in our study and we're going to talk about other things relative to the Spirit. Those things of the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit will definitely be a part of this study. We're not going to leave them out, but we are going to go beyond that and establish some of the core things that we believe about the Spirit. The very important aspect this morning, we have to start with this because this is where where everything builds off of concerning the Spirit. It will guide us and direct us in our study And that is the fact that the Holy Spirit is God. And that is critical. Uh, There are some who would teach that the Holy Spirit is is not a part of the Trinity and not God. They would teach you today that he is just some sort of impersonal force in the universe. Maybe a part of the Father or a part of Jesus, but not a separate and distinct person. However, just a quick review and study of Scripture will show that he is given a separate identity in every case where he is mentioned, even with the Father and with the Son. So it's pretty easily established that he is his own personality. He's not just a part of the Father or a part of the Son. And in saying that, he is a separate part who is in his place in the Trinity. And that is critical because we're going to establish this morning that he is god that he is god and that that is important to us as we frame and form our belief system because we have to understand that everything the spirit does then is going to be consistent with the character and the nature of god how many of you think this morning that the holy spirit has been blamed for things that he's had absolutely nothing to do with and how do we know that Because we look at these things that people claim to be works of the Spirit, or claim to be the Spirit guiding them, and we go, wait a minute, there are some serious inconsistencies with that and what the Bible says. Just know this, the Holy Spirit will never lead you or guide you or take you anywhere that is inconsistent with the Word of God in any way. If He were to do that, He would then be violating the character and nature of God of which He is a part through the Trinity. And then there would be an inconsistency in the Trinity and then the whole thing topples. The whole thing. You don't have Christianity without the deity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot and will not ever lead you contrary to the Word of God. Ever. Without exception. That will never happen. So when you see and hear things today from some of the, if not the largest churches in our nation and the world that are infatuated with certain elements of the working of the Spirit and you begin to compare those claims with what the Bible really says and you see the inconsistencies, you know where truth is. Truth is found in the Word of God. And that is our filter. That is the baseline. And the Spirit of God will never do anything or lead anyone contrary to the Scriptures. So that is very important. So the establishment of the Holy Spirit as being God and part of the Trinity is so critical. So we're going to take the time to do that today. And then we're going to make some personal applications as we close out our time this morning. But why then is this study so significant? Let me give you four answers to that question, okay? We're going to answer this thoroughly. Why is it so important that we would study the Holy Spirit? Well, the first reason is that to know the Holy Spirit is to know more about God, because the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, just like Jesus. To know more about Jesus and to know more about the Holy Spirit then is to know more about God, His character, His nature, how He works, millard erickson the theologian put it this way he said the holy spirit is the point at which the trinity becomes personal to the believer we're going to look at a couple of verses in our closing today in our time of application that really drive this point home but this is true the holy spirit is the point at which the trinity becomes personal to the believer the holy spirit of god lives inside of each believer bears witness to the truth, bears witness to us that we are children of God, and so on. So we're going to look at some of those things as we continue. But to know the Holy Spirit is to know more about God in a very personal way. Wayne Grudem, another theologian, said, the work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. Critical roles and functions of the spirit as he as he fills the earth and and is in those who are in the church the roles that he has so critical the trinity coming alive and becoming personal galatians chapter 4 says this when the time came to completion god sent his son born of a woman under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The Spirit is the Holy Spirit in this verse. And we have the Holy Spirit into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Drawing us in to the Father and being a part of the work of redemption. So to know the Holy Spirit is certainly to know more about God. That's why the study is significant. To know the Holy Spirit is also to know more about our salvation. No one can confess Jesus as Lord without the Holy Spirit. That's what 1 Corinthians 12.3 tells us. The Nicene Creed confesses that the Spirit is the Lord and giver of life. The Westminster Shorter Catechism states that we are made partakers of the redemption purchased by Christ by the effectual application of it to us by His Spirit. Titus chapter 3 verses 5 through 6 testify of that truth. So the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is crucial to knowing how God saves sinners and knowing whether or not you as an individual are truly a believer. So to know the Holy Spirit, to know more about the Spirit, is to know more about your salvation and the workings of it. It is critical. He is involved in these matters. To know the Holy Spirit, thirdly, is to understand the process of spiritual growth. The Spirit is directly involved in this. Sanctification is the universal renovation of our natures by the Holy Spirit into the image of God through jesus christ that is spiritual growth that is what we call sanctification that that second phase of of salvation and sanctification and glorification that process we are in that second phase and the spirit is highly involved in this in fact second corinthians 3 tells us this now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom there's liberty We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. So you see the equality established between the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And you also see the Spirit being involved as a result in this work of sanctification whereby we are being renovated, the renovation of our natures, by the Holy Spirit, into the image of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the reason why it can all happen. Because of His death, His burial, and His resurrection. He brought salvation to us. The Holy Spirit makes salvation real in us by renovating us into the very image of our Creator. And finally, our study is significant because to know the Holy Spirit is to be prepared for spiritual warfare. And I'm not sure that we say enough about it or that we even think enough about it on a daily basis as a believer. And I think there are things that we struggle with and fight against in our lives, not fully understanding where everything is coming from, and we forget that we are fighting not flesh and blood, but we are fighting principalities and powers and authorities that are in the spirit world that are energized by hell and directed by Satan. And if we understand and know the work of the Holy Spirit and our part in all of this, we will be as acquainted with spiritual warfare as we should be and aware of it on a daily basis. And we won't get distracted by the things that don't really matter because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We are truly in a spiritual warfare. You know, Jesus, he was full of the Holy Spirit and then faced temptation. Look at Luke 4. Then Jesus returned from Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Full of the Holy Spirit. He was controlled by, he had submitted to, and he was full of the Spirit. Now, we're going to talk about this later in our study, but What we need to understand, some of the things that are talked about in regard to the Holy Spirit that that really are fictitious, that are not not rooted in Scripture, are that somehow throughout our Christian experience, we, if we figure it out and say the right things and do the right things, somehow we can get more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So there's this idea that the Holy Spirit is given out in increment. Well, I want to say to you that we look at Scripture, we don't find that teaching. We see, though, that when a believer gets saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in that believer. We call that the indwelling of the Spirit. And the impartation of the Spirit to a believer is complete and full momentarily. And I believe simultaneously with their belief in Jesus. You receive all of the Holy Spirit that you will ever receive at the moment of your confession of faith in Jesus for salvation from your sins. You don't have to wait for another deposit coming later in your life of the Holy Spirit. You receive all the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to get at that moment. But what is the difference? You talk about being full of the Spirit, being controlled by the Spirit. Be filled with the, with the Spirit, the Scripture said. What is that talking about? I had a professor explain it this way early in my training for ministry. He said, it's not that you get more of the Holy Spirit. It's that the Holy Spirit gets more of you. You grow. You relinquish control of your life. You learn how to trust in Him and submit to Him and yield to Him. And that's where the filling comes from. You don't have in the New Testament, especially in, in church theology, a teaching of crisis filling. Like, okay, I'm going I'm to uh, evidence uh, something in my life and it's going to please God and He's going to give me more of the Spirit. No, you don't find that. You don't find that crisis kind of thing. It's so popular today, but it's just not rooted in good biblical theology. To be full of the Spirit means to be under His control. And that is involved with your yielding to Him. And it's not that His filling of you or indwelling of you is somehow incomplete. I don't think God gives incomplete gifts. He gives us all of the Spirit and we learn how to submit to Him through faith and obedience. We trust and we obey and the Spirit has control in our lives. And Jesus was full. He was controlled by the Holy Spirit. And then he was led into the wilderness to face his temptations from Satan directly by that same Holy Spirit. So don't be confused about filling of the Spirit. That means to be yielded to the Spirit and to submit to Him in every way. And yes, we learn how to better do that throughout our entire journey. And that's why we grow but it's not like God gives us just a little bit of the Spirit to kind of tempt us or tease us with it and say, ah, if you please me, I'll give you a little more later. No, that's not taught in Scripture at all. So don't don't buy into that. Secondly, our great offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit, isn't it? We go to a passage like Ephesians chapter 6. We're told there, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is God's Word. You read in Scripture where the Holy Spirit was active in the inspiration process, wasn't he? Holy men of God wrote Scripture as they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. That's the inspiration process. The Holy Spirit was instrumental in in a most miraculous way. I mean, you just think about the Scriptures, right? Three different languages. 66 books as we have them in in our canon written on three different continents over a period of 1,500 years. 40 plus authors or writers of Scripture. No contradictions. a, A continuity of message that has stood the test of time. Who produced that? The Holy Spirit of God. And the miraculous thing is It was not a mechanical dictation process. We read the different books of the Bible and we see clearly that the backgrounds of the writers are in play. The education of the writers is in play. The writing style of the writers of Scripture, all of those things are in play. So they had some thought of their own that was put into it. Their personalities were not dissolved. You can read through Scripture and you can see the personalities of writers. You read Luke's Gospel and Acts and you go, yep, I see how a doctor could have written that. And you read through the Pauline writings and you say, yep, I see how a man with Paul's education could have written that. Right? You see those people in their writings. And yet, in some miraculous way, every single thing Every single word that God wanted us to have is there. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit of God superintending and bringing along those people who wrote Scripture. That's how it happens. And this sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word, is our weapon. It's the only offensive thing that is mentioned in Ephesians 6 in the armor of God. It is our true weapon And it's with the truth of the Scripture that we fight this great spiritual warfare. And we have it because of the Holy Spirit. This is another reason how we know and why we know that the Holy Spirit is never going to lead us contrary to the Word. He's the one that gave us the Word through the human writers. He's not going to contradict Himself in any way. The third thing through which the study of the Spirit helps us to be prepared for spiritual warfare is because we understand and know, and I borrow the term, as you know, our wartime walkie-talkie is praying in the Spirit. We are in spiritual warfare, and it's the praying in the Spirit that we're told to do. Look at Ephesians 6 in that same context of spiritual warfare. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession. For All saints pray at all times in the spirit by the spirit and his strength according to his leadership in in the spirit submitting to his will in agreement with the spirit we are to pray in the spirit I think it means all of those things so to know the spirit is to be prepared for spiritual warfare as we are supposed to be people of prayer in that warfare wielding a most powerful spiritual weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So if I know the Spirit like I'm supposed to, and it's not just an academic knowledge, it's an experiential knowledge, then I am going to be prepared for spiritual warfare like I should be. This is why we're going to study the Holy Spirit. There are other reasons, but these are some of the most important and most significant. Today, we are going to look at this aspect that the Holy Spirit is equal to God. We believe that because of four very important reasons. And we're going to develop those reasons as we conclude our study today. So we believe in His deity, that He's co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent with the Father because of these things. First of all, because the Spirit is called God. God. In Acts chapter 5, we have an example of this. Then Peter said, you remember this story of Ananias and Sapphira, and they got caught up in the excitement of giving in the first century church, and uh, they decided to be dishonest in their giving. Okay? And so that's the scenario, that's the history, you understand that. That's the context. And Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Isn't that Interesting to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds from the field. Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men but to God. You see the, the, the equality there established between lying to the Holy Spirit and lying to God. The Spirit is called God. We find that in this narrative in Acts chapter 5. So the Spirit's equal to God. You see the equality established here. God and the Holy Spirit, he lied to both of them because they are both equal. They are both part of the Trinity. And we understand the penalty for that was it cost them, both of them, their lives because that is a serious thing. But the point that we are making is the equality of the Spirit to God. So we want to establish that. We need to establish that. And we find it clearly here in this narrative. We also find that the Spirit's name, the Holy Spirit's name, is interchangeable with God's name in Scripture. We go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 beginning in verse 16. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's sanctuary and that the spirit of God lives in you? There's that interchangeable aspect. If anyone destroys God's sanctuary, God will destroy him, for God's sanctuary is holy, that is what you are. So you are the sanctuary of God and you're the sanctuary of the spirit of God. Those terms used interchangeably. Chapter 6 and verse 19. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary or a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. So to speak of the Spirit is to speak of one who is equal with God. Again, we are not diluting the the differentiation between the two. They are still their, their own personalities. But because they are equal, you find them the Spirit being called God, and you find the Spirit's name being interchangeable with God's in texts of Scripture. The third reason that we would establish the deity of the Spirit this morning is that the Spirit is equally associated with the Father and Son in certain biblical passages. One of them that's maybe the most known is in Matthew 28. You find, you find it in other passages too. We're just going to look at one of them. We go to Matthew 28, and it's, we're told there that as you go about, make disciples. That, that's why we're here. That's, that's why Jesus left us behind before He comes to take us home. Make disciples of all ethnicities, baptizing them. Here is that, that uh, mentioning of equal association in this, in this thing of baptism. We're to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is classic as far as developing a theology of the Holy Spirit. It is classic because it establishes equality. It also shows us the association of the three together in one passage. So for those people who are anti-Trinitarian, Matthew 28, 19 is a pretty difficult passage. It's hard to dismiss and just, just do away with. In fact, you would have to be very dishonest with Scripture to do so. It also establishes their distinction as well as three distinct personalities. They're not blended together somehow. The Holy Spirit is not just part of the Father or part of the Son. You find a passage like this, and there are three different entities. Their identities are established apart from one another on an equal basis as they are associated together in this benediction, if you will, for baptism. So we're to do it with their authority, in their name, as we are obedient to what they have taught us to do making disciples, and baptizing them. So we find this equal association. Again, establishing the deity of the Spirit. The final thing that we'll look at this morning as to why we believe in the deity of the Spirit is because the Holy Spirit certainly has divine attributes. It's not just a matter of Him appearing in text with the Father and the Son. It's not just the fact that He's called God or that His name is interchangeable with God's name, but He shares in the divinity through the manifestation of attributes that only belong to God. And the Holy Spirit has these attributes, like what we find in Hebrews 9.14. He's eternal. How much more will the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works to serve the living God. Who through the eternal spirit. That's critical. Eternality. Coexistent with the Father. You cannot be coexistent with the Father through all time. If you're not eternal. That's an impossibility. But the Holy Spirit can be. He is eternal. In Matthew chapter 12. The Holy Spirit performs miraculous Works or miraculous works are done through his power. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. The Holy Spirit involved in those miraculous things and empowering people to do them. Along those lines, he empowers people for service, like what you find in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other passages, we won't look at them today, the Father is also talked about in these terms as empowering his people for service. But in this one, we know those saints were supposed to wait for this empowering of the Holy Spirit. And so they they were supposed to wait. The Spirit came and empowered them. Divine attribute. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11 says this, Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, the knowledge of God. He's, He's omniscient with the Father. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So in order for the spirit to know these things and understand them and search them out completely, the very depths of the knowledge of God, he would have to be omniscient. He would have to be all-knowing. He shares in the omniscience of the Father. He is divine. And finally, we see in Scripture that He's also omnipresent, like what Psalm 139 says. The psalmist says, Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or hell, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will hold on to me. You have the omnipresence of the Father and the Spirit both established in this passage. The Spirit shares in divine attributes. Critical. Again, so critical as we move forward in our study that we would understand and know that the Spirit is God and He's never going to lead us to do anything in conflict with God or with Scripture. So what are the applications that I want to leave you with today with all of this? This this Holy Spirit of God, I love what we read back in John 14 earlier in our gathering. Talking to us about the care of our Savior for us. We we know His, His prayer. We know His desire for us. He tells us that He's going to send us another comforter. You understand this, and you've already studied this with me. Another means another of the same kind. Again, a strong testimony to the deity of the Spirit, the same kind as Jesus, no difference. And that Comforter who's called alongside of us to help us, who actually resides in us, is with us. And truly, I think we can understand, as those who were with Jesus understood, that term Emmanuel, truly God is with us. They knew that. God with them through Jesus. Well, guess what? God is with us. He's in fact in us through the Spirit. We have that. We have that in us. And truly it is God who is with us. And we're waiting for the return of Jesus. He told us He's not going to leave us as orphans. He sends the Holy Spirit in the intermission who's residing in us, but he is returning for us. And the Holy Spirit bears witness to that truth as he lives inside of us, a wonderful truth. You see this Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And with that, though, comes a call to holiness, doesn't it? First Corinthians chapter 6, I want to remind you of these words, verses 19 and 20. As we study the Holy Spirit, it shouldn't just be for the sake of getting smarter about the Spirit. It should be for giving the Spirit more control over ourselves. Paul wrote these strong words to the church at Corinth. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? In other words, it's establishing the residency of the Holy Spirit in every believer as he writes to the church at Corinth. The Holy Spirit within you, you have this indwelling presence of God in you. Do you not understand that you are a temple of the living God? You have this Spirit from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I love this because it it gives us the right kind of emphasis today. Usually one of these two emphases are dismissed for whatever reasons. The emphases here, the first one is the inside. But then it goes beyond the inside, doesn't it? The Spirit of God lives in us. That's the inside. We have God residing in us through the Holy Spirit. But this passage doesn't stop there. It, it establishes that fact. It talks about that fact. It reminds us that inwardly we have God living inside of us, and the inside of man is critical. It's important spiritually. But then the physical outward aspect of this is brought into play, doesn't it? God says through Paul and the Holy Spirit, he says, you then, because the Holy Spirit of God lives in you, and and God certainly sees the heart and, and all spiritual growth starts inside of a man, he doesn't leave the outward or physical aspect out of this picture. He says, because of all this stuff going on inside of you, through me, you then glorify God in your, through your, by your body. That's critical. That's important. Why? Well, there are a lot of people today who who think, well, the physical outside doesn't really matter so much. It's, It's just the heart because, after all, God looks on the heart. That's true, but man looks on the outward appearance. Don't miss that profound point. Men are watching. That's why the outside is critical. Because we are to be image bearers. That's an outward manifestation of the work of grace on the inside. We are to be image bearers of our Father. We are to be transformed into His image by this work from the Holy Spirit in us. And while the inside matters, so does the outside. How we project that image to a world that is watching because all they can see is the outside is important. We can't make disciples effectively if we don't get this. Our bodies are to be given as living sacrifices to our Heavenly Father and we are to be projecting His image as the Holy Spirit works in us, and we are to glorify Him with our bodies as we submit to Him inwardly through the Spirit. Don't miss this critical truth. So the establishment of the Holy Spirit being God is certainly critical to our understanding of who God is, and then our submission to the Spirit as He leads us so that we can effectively project the image of our Father and make disciples for His glory among all the nations. It's critical. And I hope that we'll grasp it today. And I hope that as we continue to study, as we continue to look into the Scriptures for the teachings on the Holy Spirit, may it grip our hearts by God's grace and may it transform our lives so that we become more accurate image bearers of our great God.